Hi. Door is there somewhere. Glowing grid. I'm not sure where we're going to go today, but before we get started, I wanted to share with you that I just put a story that's relevant on a new website that has almost nothing else on it. And I'm going to write it down here. It's called Conclusions. And so there, I'm sharing that with everybody. But perhaps we'll get to that place where it makes sense uh, what the story that I wrote in there. I did not make up the story, but I did write it down. Hello, Dor. How come you're, you look so cool? You're, you should say, I'm always that way. Where's Dor? The bitch, Clinton, look. The beach, which beach? Wow. <laughs> Where is the beach? It's in Tel Aviv. Ah. So Phyllis, that's where you need to go. Yes, I, I can see that. <laughs> I want. Good. I heard you be here in 2014, Clinton. It's true, and I, I had homos, and I also had those little baklava things. Oh, yeah, baklava. And I heard you made a promise to come back one day. I, have a, I even have pictures of that. I have a picture of it also. So <laughs> I heard you're building up a circle there in Israel. Yes, working on it. Okay, we need 20 paid participants and we'll be there easy easy okay and and just and we also need the corona thing to pass and that's it we're good <laughs> okay great would everybody hi shannon would hi nadine oh there's still more and chloe's the operator you know, in the Matrix movie, there's always somebody who's got to be the operator who's sitting back there on the computer and manages everything. Well, it's actually Anne Chloe. She's over there. Got to see her. <laughs> Go, Anne Chloe. Thank you, Anne Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. You just have to know the truth of things. 
Without the operator, we get nowhere. So good. Hello, Iris. You're coming in. Hello, Jake, Habet, and Hannah, and Clarissa. Great. Hey, okay. Jose, hello, Jose. Hello, Clinton. How are where you? Are you? Where are you calling from? Brazil. Yay! Brazil is here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Missing so much, expand the box. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Maria, hello. Janet's here. Okay. Naomi. Naomi, you're back. God. Some people are just tough, you know. You can stretch them this way and stretch them this way and they just fill up and then they roll out the next thing. It's really incredible. Could everybody pretend like you're eating Janet Trevino's sandwich? Like just see that thing? She's eating this thing. Just pretend like you are so nurtured and like being held just kind of like it's just completely nurturing all five bodies. Just close your eyes for a minute, take a deep breath, and then open your eyes and just get close to your screen and just kind of connect in with the other people here who've decided to spend their time coming together in the name of expanding their matrix to build to build up themselves in the domain of love. Just pick one and look in their eyes, even if they're not looking at you, really spend 10 or 15 or 20 seconds looking at one person and let it go into your, your, your being, let it go into your bodies. It's a little scary to get that close to the screen. Just get up close to the screen. Let it, let the connection, you can feel this. We are human beings. We are designed to feel human connection. Don't go too fast. Don't just jump from one person to another. Really stay. Take a deep breath. Most of you are probably aware of having your center and your grounding cord and your bubble. And please make sure you have those, your center, your grounding cord and your bubble. And at the count of three, you don't have to turn your microphone on, but please tell everyone without turning your microphone on, just tell us all the color of your grounding cord. One, two, three. 
Mine is pink, it's a rosy pink color. Thank you. As we're getting together here, does anybody coming in with something that they need to say right now? Does anybody have something you want to say? Vera. I feel angry because I, there's something that I'm still, um, because I want to cut, I want to support other people to get out of their low drama and I'm still not there yet. So, yeah, so I'm angry. I want to stop that earlier. Like, yeah. I just, sorry, I missed one word. You want to, you want to stop what? Uh, the low drama. <clears throat> when people ask for my support and they go into low drama and I want to, stop and ask the questions and I and I'm doing that better and still there was there's more to do from me cool thank you anybody else would like to say something Janet and then Nadine. Janet Redmond and then Nadine. Thank you for this space last week. I took up the baton and I will offer a shame, a doorway through patriarchy to transformation starting the 6th of July. So thank you, Hannah, for bringing it in here and the link will come very soon. Great, thank you. Thanks. Nadine, you have to turn on your microphone. Thank you. There you go. Um, I just wanted to say that I had very challenging days and at the moment I'm sad, but as well, it's not only sadness, um, I'm as well deeply touched. And I decided in the last minute to join because I first thought maybe um, I need some space and rest to integrate um, my day. But then I had a small discussion with my husband and he said some, he, he met a friend of us today um, um, whose world is um, turned around and he does not know whether he will illustrate his magazine again. He, he does not know anything. And he said that, um, um, that maybe it's now the, the last illusion which is taken from us away that uh, I don't know. 
I know that everybody tries to make the world better, but sometimes I feel um, where I am at the moment that I can't really do anything. I can only um, look to, to my inner side and try to uh, deal with my stuff, get in alignment and be a light. And um, I, I cannot um, help them or fix something. I can only be a light and, and serve the, in, in an authentic way um, to get in conversation with other people, uh, talk about my truth, um, be who I am. Yes. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just wanted to share. Yeah, thank you. I mean, in a large part, this is what we're doing here together. There's a way that we're, I don't know if you ever had a lifting before, which is when a group of women would stand around and hold out their arms and, and you would lay across their arms and you actually can lay between the women and they lift you up. If you could imagine that's what we're, that's what we're doing here together. I mean, it's what we're doing with each other. There's a, you know, all day long, there's, we have to pay the bills or use the toilet or brush our teeth or cook dinner, or feed the cat, you know, all of these things that are sort of the practicality of life as a human being. And, but there, but the context, the context of all those things can be this space. You can be supported in a lifting space, knowing that, that around the world, there are people, there's a growing number of people becoming more and more present, more and more connected, more and more able, kind of like Vera said, she wants to be more able. Vera is a lot more able than she was before. There's no top end to how able we can become to source and um, support the emergence of spaces of extraordinary and archetypal love in our in our lives and so what so all those other things that we do during the day you know cut your fingernails peel the carrots you know all these things can be done in the context of what we're what we have for this precious hour and a half together here. It can, the, rest of, the rest of our lives can be in this context. There's nobody who can bring you into this context for you. Nobody can do this for you. I'm sure you've tried to invite other people into this context and they just won't go. They're just not interested. Or they can go for three seconds and then bam, their gremlin comes by you know, or attention gets distracted or, and it's gone. So nobody can do it for you. And what's even more interesting is nobody can stop you from doing it. Nobody can stop you from being in this context yourself. So there's nothing in the world that is powerful enough to pull you out of this unless you want it to. And this is a, uh, hard thing to look into. It's a hard thing to admit. It's a hard thing to, um, to 
take responsibility for at, at any time you would lose this context, it's your own doing. There's some part, you know, like we have parts, we have this amazing website called parts. It's still the beginning stage, but it has a, a list of many different parts. And if you read down the list in there, you go, yeah, I have that part. Oh, I have this part. Boy, this is a really big part. Well, that's a really small part, but I still have that part. You go through this whole list and by the end you start realizing how many parts you have. And what we're saying is, what I'm saying is, is that even, even, uh, even though you may be aware of many of your parts, there are parts that have a, a different agenda or a different motivation or a different, they call it a need or a different addiction, however you want to call it, to to not being in this space and those parts could suddenly take majority vote in your world and whoosh, you just get hooked it's called being hooked you should try that probably you've washed your hands plenty enough times today that you can put this in your mouth you just go like this you you don't have to but Okay. It's, useful to, it's useful to do it to yourself once a day just to um, just to get the uh, model for what it's like to be hooked in and you can see what your finger tastes like anyway so so yeah so there are these parts in us that can just grab us and take us out but once you're aware of this <clears throat> you can start to see the hooks coming you can start to see, you know, the thing that will happen is you will, at first you will, um, you'll go, God, I just spent a whole day hooked into this conversation in my mind. My hormones, you know, my adrenaline is up. I've got adrenaline in my blood. I want to have this con argument going on in my head, justifications, resentments. I have these stories going on and on and on. And I spent the last six hours doing it. Oh, my God. I used my day for that. And then if you keep working on collecting these parts and naming them and, you know, getting own, taking possession of the parts, you will catch yourself in the middle of being hooked. You will go, right now, right now, I'm just being hooked. In this moment, I am hooked right now. It's not in the past. You're, in, you're hooked right now. And you go, God, this is it. This is it. Again, again, I'm hooked right now. Same argument. You know, same people. I'm hooked. And if you keep working on this, if you keep building the matrix in yourself to be sensitive towards what's going on inside of you and around you, including your parts, the different parts, it will be the case that there's just a moment before one of these hooks grabs into you. It's coming at you from inside of you or outside of you. It's coming at you. It's about to hook you. And in that moment, before it's got you, that's when you have the choice. That's when you can hold up the red cloth. It's like the bullfighter. You'll probably see this a few times. Holds up a cloth. And it makes a very big difference between if you hold the cloth here or you hold the cloth over here. Makes a very big difference. So you're the one in charge of the cloth. You are. It's your cloth. 
So you can hold it here and it goes and you're hooked or you can hold it over here, stay attention, you stay in contact and the thing goes right by into the red cloth. So yeah, so thank you for bringing that up, Nadine, this kind of thing. Cool. All right, I think it's time to start diving into the book. I want to tell you that I had in myself a little resistance to read these two sections that were, we were about to read, but I'm, I wanna read them anyway. They're about the parent ego state and the child ego state on page 34. I wanna read them because we'll need them for the, for the next 422 pages. We're gonna need them for the rest of the two years it's gonna take us to go through the book. So we, we just need to have this as part of our vocabulary. And even if some of you are familiar with this concept of that you have a parent ego state and a child ego state, for example, that doesn't mean that it's not gonna, it doesn't make that place become unhookable. It doesn't, it, just because you understand it and have heard it before does not make it go away. It's designed into our, our um, psycho-emotional structure somehow. And there's no way around it. There's awareness. If you build up the awareness, you can become, you can, you can do a thing called as ising it. You can, you can be so with it that it doesn't affect you unconsciously anymore. There's, um, I just want to say what as ising is, just so you, we have it. You may, you may, somebody may need it today or tomorrow or something, but <clears throat> if if you're if you have an accident like you bump your knee or if you have a kid and the kid crashes your bicycle or if the some loud sound happens and you get scared and it puts a shock in your system or if somebody calls you and gives you good news or bad news these things can move they can happen so fast in our life that there, our five bodies are not with the thing. And so the, to, the way to, to become, the way to put yourself in the present, including the new thing, the impulse, is to do this procedure of, of as-ising it. And it doesn't take very long. It takes a couple of minutes. Even with big shocking things, you can take a couple of minutes. And... Um, you need somebody there who can hear you or can hold space for you. And all you just do is you go back to where the thing did not happen yet. And you let each of your five bodies share what that experience was. So you just go through it a little slower. You go through the shocking experience, exactly what you felt in your physical body, in your emotional body, in your mind was going on in your energetic body, what was happening to the spaces and in your archetypal body about how this brings you along in your path. And so, and you just share that. And so like, um, I, I just remember doing this many times with my own children when, when they would fall down the stairs, for example. And so one, one fell down the stairs and I just, we went through it and she could show me exactly where her knee hit which stair 
and how it felt and she was crying and it, how much pain it was. And by the 60 seconds it took for her to, as is the experience of falling down the stairs, it was completely integrated into her five bodies and she just took off and was finished with it. Whereas if we don't integrate the shock, the either good news or bad news, or any, if we don't integrate the shock with the consciousness of another person helping us, then it remains as a, as a disparity. It remains as a gap inside of us and can be confusing or it can leave uh, a memory. Let's see, it leaves a, like a flat tire. It sort of disempowers us to handle stuff. So if, I don't know who this, I don't know which person needs to hear this right now, but whoever you are, just um, whatever just happened or is going to happen soon, make sure you have another person there. It doesn't have to be in person. It can be just also like a Zoom call and just go through the five body experience. You just slow it down and go through the five body experience step by step and relate so they get it what happens. And then um, you can integrate an unintegrated neglected key life event, as Janet <laughs> Redmond says, and we just call it as ising. And you come back to yourself. You just go shoop, back to yourself, and you just can go again. So, cool. All right, here we go. The parent ego state. The first thing to keep in mind as we investigate the parent ego state is that despite how things may feel, there is really no difference between, between praise and blame. When you praise somebody or blame somebody, it has energetically the same thing. Both are forms of conditioning. And I'm saying this now because it comes out of the part of you, remember we're talking about parts, this part of you called the parent ego state has the habitual strategy of praising or blaming, um, making things positive or negative. Both praise and blame are manipulations. If you say that is great, you are trying to condition somebody to keep doing what they have been doing. If you say that is horrible, and blame them, you are trying to condition somebody to stop doing what they have been doing. In contrast to these parental messages, the adult ego state does not use praise or blame. So this is, I remember first learning this, and it was this huge shock to, because I thought at least praising, I thought it was positive. And beneficial but it turns out to be a behavior that is manipulative and trying to condition other people so instead the adult part says I like that please keep doing that or that hurts please stop doing that and you're you directly saying what you want or don't want rather than trying to manipulate like doing a sideways conditioning approach the other thing to know about the parent ego state is that the voices that you may hear going on in your head are not your voices. This thing is really important. The voices in your head that you hear from your head 
there are all kinds of voices like you're wonderful, you're stupid, you're beautiful, you're, you're, nobody loves you, you're not good enough, you will never make it, you may as well give up. Like these, all these voices, these have originally come from somebody else. They come from outside of you. They come from a belief system. They can come from a corporation advertisement that says you're just not pretty enough as the magazine shows. You're not skinny enough. You're, you don't have enough cool watches. You know, you're not, in any case, you don't have our products. So we're going to try to make you feel bad until you get our product, which is supposed to make you feel better. These, these voices in your head come from outside of yourself. So they come, these voices come from other people, perhaps from past authority figures, such as your parents, grandparents, older siblings, or teachers. In order to survive in those conditions, you made their voices normal, no matter what they were telling you. And then when you left the source of these voices, you maintain a sense of normalcy by keeping the voices going inside your own head. Anybody notice that today you had some voices in your head? Could just a couple of you say what they were? Phyllis, your hand up was really fast. Can you say what that was? I have lots of voices all the time in my head. And today the voice was, um, There are so many, I, you know, just, I, I think it's just about um, not good enough to be in relationship, something like that. A little more, a little more specific, but I'll just leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you. Would a couple more people share the voice that you noticed, Patricio, and then Naomi, and then Clarissa? Yes, for me, the voices were related to, um, being with my son and then uh, you know what am i doing the right thing or am i am i being the, the or am i giving the right instruction or something like that am i being a good father now you know by by i was like trying to change things with him and and being more accepting and and then it's like what are, are you are you really i mean yeah so it was really strong and striking Thank you. Naomi? Mine were, you're getting old and you look bad. And now I also have a voice saying that that's so super superficial. <laughs> it's not superficial. You know, here, here's the thing. Clarissa, you're next. And then John Mercer, you're next, okay? These voices are closer to you than a lover. You get that? These voices are so intimate in us. They're closer than touch. They're closer than people's opinions out there. They're closer than your lunch. I mean, they're, these things are really intimate. So it is not superficial, and that's why we're talking about it. And that's why it's so important to look at these things and make them conscious, because they are using up energy inside of ourselves. And this is energy 
that we need to create with, energy to create with in our daily life in the moment is being absorbed and used up by this voice pattern, this energetic, you know, it's really a, uh, a vampire, an energetic vampire that has taken root inside of us and is eating our life energy. That's how important this is. So thank you for saying it. Clarissa, you had your hand up. Yeah, um, I had it at work today and um, it's often the same. It's like uh, people think you don't know how to do the things. Uh, you should have done that differently. You should have thought more. Um, you always need help. So, yeah. 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 So. yeah, this could be 15 or 20 different voices in a few minutes. This is like trying to feed... Uh, what are those blood-sucking worms called? Is it leeches? It's like you have energetic leeches stuck on your body, sucking out your life energy. You have one or two. It's like you can manage it. You have fifteen or twenty. Your it's your it's it's the energy you have to create nonlinear possibilities in your moment-to-moment -moment life is being sucked out by nearly mindless energy vampires inside of you. This is what really is this thing. So it, it is an initiatory process into adulthood to get to know your voice blaster. So I happen to have an amazing physical example of a voice blaster right here at my table. Now this thing is incredible. It's, it's, a, it's a good example of a voice blaster. And it has this adjustable nozzle so it can go in it kind of any, you can shoot around corners. The thing can shoot, it can shoot voices that are hiding out behind things. You, know, you can shoot around corners, this thing is. And it, it makes this amazing sound. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it, but you just load it up like that and here it goes. Like that. This, and it just shoots, it just blows the voices away. So. You have one of these. I don't know what yours looks like, but you have one. It's behind your back on your belt. You just pull it out and go <clears throat> like this at those voices. So I want to hear, John Mercer, what's your, what's your voice? What does your voice say, John Mercer? Um, this, so this morning, our son woke up early and Maria got up with him and was taking care of him and then she was exercising and making coffee and breakfast and I was in bed sleeping and waking up periodically to hear all of this and then just like at the same time pummeling, like bludgeoning myself with uh, how like bad or uh, lazy or useless I was for staying in bed. And when I finally did go to wake up, I was like consumed by this depression, this like deep like, self-hatred thank you now the only good voice is silence <laughs> what i'm saying is it's a you know for all of you peace-loving hippies you know for all of you politically correct um uh, how, uh <laughs> you know new age personalities out there, the idea of killing, 
like actually shooting holes in the wings of the vampire bats that are sucking onto your energetic body and as voices and that are that are actually sucking they're actually shooting them you have to pretend like you're a cowboy you have to get the cowboy thing you know what good is a cowboy unless he has one of these what good is a cowboy unless he uses the thing what good is a cowgirl unless she has one of these i probably didn't see the movie little big man but little big man's sister teaches him how to shoot so the way to shoot a voice is as soon as you hear the voice coming, it kind of sounds like this in slow motion. It has these little, little, it's inhales. It goes, and it's about to say, you are an idiot. You are not good enough. You are a shameful. You should not even breathe. You don't have any, you can't occupy life on all these things. You don't even deserve a peanut butter sandwich like all these things, as soon as it inhales, you have already pulled out your gun, it has an infinite number of blasts, and you shoot and it doesn't ever miss, and you, and you just shoot, you just shoot, 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 and then you put it, you go like that, and then put it back. And if the thing comes back, which it will, you know, these things are kind of resilient, they've been having a free lunch off of you for 10, 15, 20 years. You think they're gonna go away with one hole in their wing? No way, they're gonna come back. <coughs> you just shoot them again. And the only conversation to have with a voice, the only conversation is, you don't go, oh, but I am, I am good. Oh, but I, oh, but I deserve staying in bed, but I am a nice person. But one time I did a right thing. One time I did something good. Remember that time I did something good three years ago? Like you don't, you don't have these arguments with the voice. The only conversation to have with one of these voices is bang, like that. End of conversation. It's the only conversation to have with one of these things. Now, I can't shoot your voices for you. If I could, I would have a large Gatling gun go I would shoot everybody's voice. That's, I would do it for you, but I can't. This is, nobody can do this for you. On the other hand, if you want to shoot the voices, nobody can stop you. So to be a creator, a source person for extraordinary and archetypal love spaces, you need that energy that you're presently feeding to this entire zoo of vampire entities called voices. Now, compared to some entities, these are really nothing ones. These are kind of small ones. So you should get used to blowing away entities because later on in the book, when we start getting into the real underworld part, we're gonna face some bigger ones. But right now, you should get used to blowing away the voices as just like sweeping the porch, you know, flushing the toilet, brushing your teeth. It's like, you just get rid of them. You you. Turn on the garbage disposal. You know, you there's all these putting stuff in the compost pile. You do a lot of things that are the equivalent of shooting voices. So this week, no voices. Like starting now, starting now for the rest of this week, for no reason, for like without excuse. You do you can draw yourself if you want a little, a little like uh, ins insignia card, you know. Get your, draw yourself a little certificate that says, 
licensed to shoot, licensed to kill voices. You are now licensed 007, licensed to shoot. You have the double O, you know, that's what this thing is. It's a double O, right? You have the double O insignia to go shoot voices. You're licensed to take out voices. Look, you do not have to worry that the voices will starve to death. There are plenty of people out there who thrive in a voice-filled world. There are plenty of people out there. The voices will not starve to death. So you're not punishing, you're not like, you're not forcing them to die from starvation. There's lots of zombies out there. I define a zombie as anybody who plays in a game world that they don't know the purpose of the game world. That person is supporting the purposes of the game world and don't, they don't even know the purpose. That person is a zombie. So there's plenty of zombies out there, ready and willing. Like they're just going, go ahead, suck out my life energy. There's plenty of them out there. So don't worry about killing off the vampire voices. Take, just make a, a, a voice-free inner world for yourself. The adult ego state is for the most part voice-free. How many people have had these moments of just presence where you don't have the chatter and the voices? How many people have experienced that? How many of you have experienced that in the intimate presence and company of another human being? Okay, so it's possible. It is possible. And how many people enjoyed it? How many people actually enjoy? Okay, all right, all right. This is where we're going. This is where we're going. It does require you using your voice blaster on a regular basis. If you're not regularly using your voice blaster, you're fooling yourself about being able to be present. Because voices, when as soon as they get you, the voice brings up a story. Stories happen in time. I'll just say this again. Stories exist in time. Stories are about the future, stories about the past, stories about somebody else. They exist in time. In the present, in the present moment, there is no time. In the present moment, it's too small for stories. There's not enough time in the present moment for a story to exist. Therefore, if you are in a voice, if you are in a story, you are not in the present moment. You're in time. You're off in a story world somewhere. So love happens now. Intimacy happens now. It doesn't happen in your head. It doesn't happen in a story. It happens experientially in the moment and the next moment and the next moment. And there aren't voices in there going along, telling you what to do, or telling you how it's going, or judging you, or criticizing you, none of that stuff. It's pretty silent, and it rolls along in a very small now, it's all for stories. So this is why this whole thing about the voices in the parent ego state are so important. It doesn't have so much to be doing with your parents or anything, like just a name for the experience of having voices and stories. So I hope that you take this on as a practice. And you can do it when you're in front of, in front of other people. You can do it when you're doing a, a presentation at work. You come up on the stage and say, good morning, everybody. Today on the agenda, 
And uh, we have bang, bang. I can too slow. Excuse me. I just had to shoot a voice. Okay. Bang. I said, okay. Yeah. So as I was saying, we're going to have these three things on the agenda. Anybody? Bang, bang. Like you just, you can do this. People will remember the meeting. They will, they will think it was a good meeting. And, it, and it's, a, it's, it's extraordinary. It changes it from ordinary and linear to extraordinary and transformational. Why the hell not? You know, life is too short for ordinary and linear, in my opinion. And you can do whatever you want, but we are here together in this space for a reason. You are here for a reason. So I hope you shoot voices viciously, voraciously, verifiably. You know, you can even like get little, um, you can make, you know, like in some of these old, in the patriarchal hunting lodges, they have deer heads nailed up on the wall, you know, moose heads and lion heads and like all these heads from animals. Well, you can make little trophies for every single voice that you shoot. When you shoot a voice, write it down on a little card, you know, and thumbtack it to your wall or stick it to your refrigerator, you know, and just line these things up. All these voices you've killed and you can just kind of make little bullet holes in them and punch, punch your pencil through the paper so it looks like they have plenty of bullet holes in them. And you just, people will come in and go, God, what's this? And then you have an interesting conversation instead of talking about the price of milk. So, okay. What? Janet Trevino, go. So I was wondering if the voices could also be praise since we we're mostly focusing on blame voices. Bang, have, bang, yes, yes. Like I'm yes. good and I'm whatever, like whatever. I, don't, I want an example of praise voices because I think I have those came up for me today. Like, I need it. If I don't do so, like, I have to, whatever. Like, I don't know. Whatever. I'd love more, love more on that. I'm fast. You're, you're better than they are. You're more beautiful than they are. You're richer <laughs> than they are. You're faster than they are. See how great you are. Look at how that person looked at you. Oh, man. See how wonderful you are? Yeah. Just same yeah. painted green. It's the yeah. same bullshit painted green. Thank those, you for saying that. Thank those you. are mine. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, bullshit is bullshit. Just blow it away. Who's that? Hey, Jose. Clinton. Just a hey, second. Clinton. Yes, Jose, momento, por favor. Look at, there's two things in life. Bullshit and nothing. And you get to choose where you're going to be, where you're going to hang out. So if there are voices around, you're in the bullshit domain. It's one way to tell you're in the bullshit domain is if you hear praising voices or blaming voices or arguing voices, like all that stuff, okay? So what's within the other side of that is nothing. Well, you know, a lot of us were born and raised with parents who keep the radio going in the background or the television on. Some people keep the television going on in the background. Oh my God, you know, television, there's a spark about this. Television is false community. It's modern culture, false community. You keep the television on, it sounds like there's people walking down the street. You know, we're living in a small village right now. If I open that window, you'll hear, hear pe people talking outside. They're talking in German, so fortunately I don't understand. But the, this background noise is community happening. 
And if you don't really have community, you turn on fake community and then you have the television in the background. So we're accustomed to having this noise in the background. And unless you're a meditator, you know, unless you're a cave dweller, if you're a Buddhist, unless you've gone into nature and you, you've, which I assume you all have had these experiences of the kind of place where there isn't, you found that you don't die when you stop thinking. It can be a radical revelation to realize that you don't die when you stop thinking. Okay, try to keep that in mind. It's, I remember Cornelius Butz, a friend of mine, he's a fellow wizard. He, he, um, he told me about the time that he first had this experience. And it's, it's astonishing to, to realize that, we, that it isn't part of our schooling system or our education system or an initiatory process to discover a space where you stop thinking and don't die. So please figure that out because you don't, you don't need the voices. And you don't need to be thinking and talking to make a relationship happen or even your life happen. Jose Vicente Carnero. Hi, Clinton. Uh, my voice was about, um, uh, it's been for a while, like saying to me that I'm not mature enough to understand, uh, uh, you are not mature enough to understand what I'm doing. But it happens that this voice, I know from, who it, from whom it comes from. And, and I'm, I'm struggling because um, I, I don't want to put this person as a prosecutor and I don't want to put myself as a victim. But, but I, keep, I keep struggling with that voice because uh, uh, it's difficult to silence it and, and, and not to, like, why you keep doing this right now? So, so I'm, I'm having a little bit of difficulty with that voice. Um, this, this kind of voice, you could write it on a piece of paper and have a little a, um, a funeral and have a few people around. And the person who, who said that voice to you in your past, the one who said it, um, you can distinguish the voice, like you said, distinguish the voice from the person, because now you're carrying it with you. They are not telling you now, you keep it inside. So you can make a new decision. Say, I changed my mind. I am no longer a host for this vampire entity. And you can write it down on a piece of paper, have a little burial ceremony, a funeral with a couple friends around, and put it under the ground put some dirt on top and a stick in the ground, say, and, and, and have actually a, a ritual where you send it back to where it goes. It isn't, it isn't, you're not saying anything's really bad or wrong. You're sending the energy back to where it came from, which is where it belongs. It doesn't belong in your system. It belongs back over there. Understand? So you can make, yes. it helps to have a little ritual for big voices like that. It can help to have a little a ritual like this. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, but in, have a couple other people with you, okay? Tell them what's oh. up, because maybe they have, maybe you make a little a cemetery in your neighborhood for voices, you know, a cemetery where you bury these things. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Naomi, you had your hand, yeah, Naomi, go ahead. I think I have parent voices about other people as well. 
like I'm not thinking like oh yeah parent voices like my partner has parent voices all the time or something like that and I wonder how to make the distinction between making distinctions and um, being in a parent voice my yeah. philosophy about that this is my personal thing okay my personal thing is shoot first ask questions later you, do, you don't have to figure it out so much and if you're a transactional analyst you do need to figure it out but if you're not just shoot the fuckers really shoot first ask questions later the, the point is really they are vampires whether they're whoever they come from, wherever, whatever their purpose is, the whole thing. So, Naomi, does that help? Mm, kind of. Wait, 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 wait. I can already tell by the look on your face that it didn't help. So, and Chloe is going to say something. I'm going to mute myself. Okay. Is this working? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, what so you know you're doing this work you're doing this work of coming to this study group the raging your brilliant love you may be writing websites you may i don't know what else you're doing to experiment and uh feed yourself with distinction and i don't know if your partner is doing that you know i, I he's not here so if you're trying to feed him the food that feeds you it seems pretty clear that that food doesn't feed him and so if you're trying to feed him that food you're trying to change him and how would you like if somebody was trying to change you so that's it is a lot of people who start doing this work and who are in a relationship it becomes sometimes very painful to realize that one, one person want, wants to evolve evolves in a certain direction, in a new shape, in a new um, path, and that the other person is not just next to them. Maybe there's an expectation mm. that your partner will just be next to you and follow you and understand you and want what you want. And you might want to withdraw that expectation. You might want to change your mind about having an expectation that your partner will follow you through. So you can be more with him while still being with yourself. And what, there's a couple of things that you might want to try as an experiment is in, instead of wanting him to get the distinction, for example, about parent voices, or let's say about, your, about for feeling, you know, you can sense maybe that he's feeling angry or he has emotional fear or something is going on. But instead of telling him, hey, you're feeling something, you go first. You say, right now I'm feeling sad because I, I cannot really communicate with you. Or I feel sad because uh, something is going on in my life. Or I feel really angry because I there is a, I feel really angry. How would you say that? Because I cannot express myself with you right now. You know, I don't know what it is, but if you go first, like over and over again, then that opens a door for him to say, wow, 
she can say things like that, though maybe I can too. But especially for a guy who, you know, doesn't really have interest in this work, feeling anything would equal, like would equal being broken, would equal not being a man. That's a lot, you know, a man raised in modern culture, feeling something is like the worst thing. But if you can, if you go first, then there's a door. And then the other hint or the other possibility is instead of saying, instead of telling, which comes from this parent, as you say, kind of like superior or better knowing, is ask a question. And you say, I noticed that you haven't been uh, saying anything for half an hour while we were sitting in the car. Is there anything going on for you? I, I'm, I'm just going to listen. I won't say anything. I'm just going to listen. And so, and the question makes it a vacuum instead of a pressure. Like the saying how it is for him would come as a pressure. So create a vacuum, open this door, and maybe he will go through the vacuum, maybe he won't. And also have no expectation about him uh, accepting your offer. Yeah, thank you. And Chloe, could you, you've skimmed on the outside of the other part of the question that I heard Naomi asking, which was, what if you have this vision of, of a partner who, who is kind of parallel with you in your evolutionary path? What if you have this vision and you're looking for this and you're trying to create this and you want this and you would love to have the aliveness of a co-evolutionary relationship. And like, and you just said, you just sort of nonchalantly said, oh, um, just let go of that. Could you say more about this? Like what, what's a person in this day and age supposed to do, like a woman, what is a woman supposed to do when she's looking around and these guys have their head in their, mobile phone and, and they don't even they're not even in this space like what how do you how are you supposed to face into that okay i don't know if i have a, an, a really good answer um what it seems to me it's more of a meta conversation answer maybe than a personal answer but i i've had this question because um, I'm in this wonderful relationship experiment with Clinton where we're both evolving at light speed across our desk and we don't know each other when we wake up in the morning and we don't know who we are when we go, you know, go to bed at night. And, and so in a way I haven't had this pain since I've started this work so much, but I, I've had a lot of women talk to me talking about this pain a lot because I've, our trainings are filled with 80% women and 20% men exactly like on this phone call. And so the question is, where are the men? Where are the men that I can do my experiment with? Where are the men that I can share this life and this path and this, like my, in, my inner world and my inner evolution? And 
in a way, this is a personal, this is a, a personal choice. But if I, if I couldn't share that, my my that work, which is my work on my path, the relationship wouldn't be very interesting for me. Like I wouldn't want to be in a relationship where I cannot do that. And and so on a meta, like a more on a meta conversation, it seems to me that for you know women have been on this path of liberation for like since the 50s so we have 60 70 years moving faster like moving forward um than the men who are the, the the men liberation movement is barely starting now so we are 70 years ahead and and the way that the way that it seems it's for now those 70 years have been about us They've been about how to liberate ourselves from the patriarchy, how to take back our center from our dad, how to take back the center from our, the government, from my bosses, from the assholes on the street, from and in healing ourselves from the wound and the wound of wom- like being a woman, not just in this life, but in a lot of life for the past 6,000 years of healing um, the rape and the possessiveness and the objectification and the, okay, and and we've been doing this really well i think it seems to me that we've been really moving forward in this healing and and i i don't say i have done a lot of research but it's like it feels like that to me in the the women that are around in my life and the conversation that i have is that that's sort of phase one of exiting the patriarchy and then phase two is turning around and seeing that there's only women on the bridge and that a village and doesn't work without men. And so it seems that now then there's this question of where are the men? And then the skill to the skill, you know, the first skill that we built is make a boundary as a woman. It's like, how can I make a boundary with the men so I can keep my center and my integrity and my dignity. And now the skill would be, how can I make interesting offers, like amazingly interesting offers that my partner, um, my colleague, uh, my relationship experiment is, is interested. Like it's, it turns them on like the masculine part to come and join me on the bridge. And I don't know if I have really great answers about that because it it has this part of making like making an interesting offer without losing the sword without losing the sort of clarity without going back into um i'm gonna make i'm gonna be seductive or nice or cute or so that they will come with me and that will be like the first like it's a survival thing and i i can i notice it in me how the making offers can come from this like manipulative seduction. It will, you know, feminine um, spider say, come with me. But that's not a real offer. That's not a real offer because it's not safe for them because it still has this manipulation, seductive, it's not clear. So I think those offers have to be crystal clear in the intention and without expectation and with this 
this balance, this elegant balance between the sword and the breast. How do you give, keep the sword at the neck and there's the breast that welcomes the men, that there's a, there's a safe space for them to fall apart, to start over, to start really over. Because it is really easier for the slave in the patriarchy to get out because we're slave and it's shit to be slave. And so, and, and we have this awareness of being slave and it's like, well, if I have another option than being a slave, then I'll get out. But the men are the master. So it's like, why would a master ever leave their, their position? Why would they ever do that? So I think it would be a, a research for the woman here and, and you can bring it into your woman's circle or and research about how do you make an offer to a master that is playing in a survival game world to be a collaborator in an abundant game world or in a, yeah, in a co-creative co collaborative game world with the feminine. I think that would be a fantastic research ground. Okay, there was Sarah, I think you raise your hand. Can I uh, add something to that? Yes. Who? yes. Uh, that's me. Um, well, I think, uh, or I, I feel that because you said that there is no answer for me, you said having the sword and having the breast at the same time. And I work a lot with sexual therapy and I'm on the edge of becoming a sexual therapist. And I think that's exactly, for me, this is one of the answers. It's having both options all the time. And there are more and more men coming. And it feels to me like, um, I don't know, it's this, it's like something and then they have a, a ground to work on with these two, two parts and getting this uh, alliance with it. So I don't really have words for it. It's, it's a lot of body work actually. So thank you. So mm. there was a couple people who had their hand up, but Clinton, do you want to say something right now, or? Yeah, I just want to want to. Yeah. Just want to. I want to throw in the additional dimension. Of Louder. Please. Uh, I want to throw in the additional dimension. Can you hear that? Can you? Yeah, uh, additional dimension in the, the negotiated offers, in the offers, the, the additional dimension of the transformational adventure, the pirate, the magician, pirate, sorceress, transformational adventure journey. It's an archetypal journey. And I want to throw that in because um, just... If, if the only enticement is tantric courses, which are subjugated by the male 
or even female, you know, leader, whatever, this is, this is not going to catch people. I mean, I think, I think there are people, I, I know we need to catch people where they are. I mean, your invitation to the man needs to, to, to in some ways have one foot where the man is and one foot where possibility is. So you have to have these two feet. And so that it's like connected with the man in one, but actually if you only have the connection with the man where he is, you're not going anywhere. There isn't, there isn't not an invitation that goes somewhere else. So you need your foot also somewhere else. And that's what I'm trying to add into the conversation is this um, transformational adventure, how to make those offers. And it, look, I want to research with you. I really, it's not in this book. We've been, we've been researching this since I wrote this book. It's in the next book. And I, I really want to research that with people to do experiments in making nonlinear possibility adventure transformation archetypal offers for the men to get with you on the journey in a, in a way that's that they buy it that you know that they're in that they really get it that it's it's so much better than the patriarchy the phoenix process and get you know into the unknown and then reborn like to go through this whole thing like that's the kind of offers we need to make. This is my, I wanted to throw that in. Thank you. You do it. Yeah. I mean. Okay, Sarah, you had your hand, you had your hand up. Go yes. ahead. So um, I, I have a, I'm not sure if it's gremlin or a pirate idea, but um strikes me that there's a, a 20 there's a 2080 split on these calls and probably a 2080 split on the mainstream world and um and uh and i i'm struck by a conversation earlier earlier on in the series about clinton proposing non-monogamy and um that problem solved at that point in two ways because um one of the fastest ways to get a guy interested is to be infatuated with another guy who um who actually has qualities that this one guy that, that the guy that you're with doesn't have so um and anyway that's the that's the theory and also that that the guys on these calls wouldn't necessarily have to be um wouldn't if the guys on these calls weren't uh were, were experimenting with non-monogamy then there wouldn't be a problem so anyway done thank you okay Anika, there was something you wanted to share? Yeah, um, question. I'm not as familiar with uh, the sword and uh, the brace in that context, but what comes up for me is, um, I guess as a woman accessing, like can I as a woman provide the space of nothingness? So um, I have the experience that in the past in relationships, I would fill the space with either energetically or uh, in communication with all those voices that my voice blaster has actually hasn't shut off. So that's like, this man doesn't have anything important to say, so I'm gonna fill the space. This man is this and this man is this, this man is that, this man can't hold space for me. So mm -hmm. if I shove everything into the space as a woman, then there's just no room <laughs> for a man to express himself and vice versa. So um yeah 
I guess um, it's it's like that doorway of just being actually, um, rather than filling it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Anika, for saying that. Um, because archetypally, it there is this distinction of the men or the woman is this everythingness, and, and I think the woman here can maybe relate to this everythingness when we see everything is connected to everything else and and it's like everything is important and everything needs to be said and everything it's like if we don't say everything then it doesn't make sense and it's not whole and and it's also why we go through i think clinton mentioned it we go through magazine or we have six different kind of teaspoons or coffee spoons or coffee sets for people when they come because we need to have the, the set that would fit that particular person so we we have this archetypal of the everythingness and i think like you you say anika there's a possibility for us to also access the nothingness there's a possibility for us to access the nothingness and we do need to access it to hold space for the men to be able to speak and express and come into life and it's uh and it's a joy to be able to dance between those two those two archetypes so yeah thank you for saying that Annika. Yeah, Phyllis. Well, what about a group of men from this study group getting together to come up with some ideas around how women can access, can, can go from a man's way of thinking to a woman's way, or a man's way of, of interacting in the world to a woman's way of interacting in the world? Can you repeat Can you, what you said? I yeah. didn't really get that, Phyllis. It sounded like you said you want the men to come up with ways for women to think more like women. I Yes. I, well, no. Uh, yeah, I could see how it sounded that way. How can a woman... What about if a group of men from this study group get together and come up with ways that a woman can access... Um, where a man is to so that you can both be in a similar place so that you can both to bring them into a world of communicating in a different way in a different manner i would actually enjoy to be part of the conversation as a woman as well Yeah, I, I, I just think that if you don't have men in the group, that it's not going to work. It's, Can I say yeah. something? Yeah. Well, Clinton and Chloe, is that okay? Or is there a cue or something? I, this is, <laughs> we're a group of experimenter. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to say yet. Let's see. Um, I mean, I've been listening and thinking quite a lot in with what's been happening and feeling and what's been 
the conversation, namely ask, trying to ask myself the question, why am I here in this call? I started off finding it interesting that the question hasn't been asked yet. No one's asked any of the men in the call, why are you here? Why did you join the call? Like a lot of talking about how can we get men to join without actually just asking any of the ones who are here, why are you here? Um, and then I was thinking, well, okay, well, why am I here? <laughs> Before I go out and point that out and then someone asks me, maybe I should think about that myself. Um, and initially, my answer was a bit disempowering to myself, which was, well, it's how I've been brought up. I've been brought up to, I have the privilege or whatever, it doesn't really matter, but brought up within a context where I am looking at myself and growing and communicating and where a lot of what Anne Clary talks about as the way women are, I actually associate with myself quite a lot in looking at everything and seeing how it's all fit together. And um, But one thing I can say is like, what I, and I don't really have that answer yet about why I'm here, but what I didn't can offer is that some of the way the conversation ha is happening in this call is turning me off. And that is the part of the conversation where it sounds like men are a problem to be solved. Or at least that's the, my reaction. And that is part of that is definitely my some low drama in there. And <laughs> like, oh, don't don't persecute me or don't persecute men, certainly. But there is some other part that's like, hey, I'm, I'm not a problem to solve. There, there is no solution to get me in. It, it's And that is something that I've experienced a lot when trying to get me to engage, both when in partnership or with strangers in workshops, is this when I'm approached from a place of like trying to figure out what you need to do to get me to join in, that like I'm being manipulated. Me, me, it goes off and I just back away and go, nope. Um, so, and, and this, this is, it's like, there is a different energy in me. And sometimes I will enter a space that is a very feminine process space. And I'm like, okay, I will join this space, but for me to be here, things might need to be a bit different because I'm not necessarily going to process or interact with the space in the same way that the women have been, not necessarily. Um, and so it's also that thing of when inviting a man in or inviting me in, I have to see the openness and the willingness for the space to change that I'm in being invited into. I'm not going to join your space and then do it the way you've been doing it necessarily. And if I am joining you, then there will need to be some adaption on both sides. And if I don't sense that, then I'm generally not interested. Sometimes I'm open for the experiment of doing it in a totally different way from how I'm comfortable. Sometimes not. Um, and the last thing is just to do with also some of the most powerful invitations I've had have been from men. It's, I think, a big part of the women's liberation movement and all of that has been sisterhood. Um, and there is strong cultures of brotherhood in the world, but they're often focused around things that are not next culture at all. Um, so you know it's that thing of maybe if your if your partner or if the man that you want to invite in 
you're not finding them responding to you so well, it's like, okay, well, maybe it's because then they need, you need to find a way for them to be invited by a man. And maybe the way would be to find men who, rather than <laughs> find a man to expect, rather than you finding a man to experiment with and hoping that, uh, as was just mentioned, that sort of inspires or motivates your, your man to get going, you can find a man who's willing to reach out to yours or it, it's yeah and have that create that brotherhood i know that's what's often got me engaged in a new thing i mean it's how i got involved in possibility management and attended labs and my first lab atb my first lab was all invitations by men um yeah and and now i do love experimenting with women too for sure it's a, it's a thing but it is often actually the brotherhood invitation that's stronger. Thank you. I think Dor had uh, wanted to say something and then uh, Maria, yeah. Yes, uh, I wanted to say that like, there is, I feel there is like a big identification with like being a man or a woman. When, when my friend uh, Danny asked me to come to the workshop, I didn't think, oh, she's a woman inviting a man. And when I'm here, I'm like, I'm not like identified. I'm like, I'm not here as a man or a woman. And there's a lot of, you know, in the yoga, a lot of the yogic culture is about like, you know, balancing between the feminine and the male inside of you. So you won't identify with being a man or a woman. So like maybe in a relationship, like to put it in the context of Naomi, when she said, she's going to invite her um her boyfriend or whatever inside this as a woman because her their relationship is like a man woman relationship but i think in general when you invite someone it doesn't have to matter like if it's a man or woman like if you invite people as a group you post something you're not posting like men coming like you're not identified with that so that's, uh, I don't know, I feel a little bit uh, angry when I put it out, but I don't see why all this identification around possibility management. I came to learn a lot of stuff here that has nothing to do with like man, woman type of stuff, like a lot of like self-liberation stuff. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Maria, you go. Oof sharing brings up a lot of fear for me um i wanted to share something about the experimental laboratory of this co-creative thing that i'm in with this person sitting next to me that um in the process of transformation that we've been in for the past couple of years I've had a lot of fear about resistance to transformation and fear that if we're not in an evolutionary, like an evolutionarily comparable place or like that the language isn't the same or even any sort of like dissonance that I will feel like I'm losing myself. Like it's, it, and then through this work and other work that, I've been doing and reconnecting with my center and trying to hold my own center. 
I've discovered um, some, basically that I've discovered that everything that happens in this experiment is information. It's like a, I mean, it's the beep shift go thing. Like everything that happens is information for me to consider in terms of connecting and that it's not about being right or being like, like that my growth is the most important that we're like, we're here in some capacity or at least I'm here in some capacity with the understanding that we might be in these like individual physical bodies, but we're reflections of a unified consciousness. And if John Mercer is transforming and if I'm transforming and if that's different, that's, it's still what's happening and what needs to happen. It's still our medicine. It's still the path. So like if I'm in a, if I'm in a like combative relationship with his growth, then it's automatically not, I'm automatically resist, like that automatically means that I'm resisting transformation or something. So I guess I'm kind of going back to Naomi's, like what Naomi, you put out there because I've tried taking and I've tried like grabbing John Mercer's hand and trying to bring him with me on something. And he's tried that with me, it feels like too. And it doesn't really work. And it's not about him getting fixed and me getting fixed. It's like, we're on, we're trying to create some new consciousness together, all of us. And so if, yeah, I guess it's just about like not, separate not separating in this like holding my center but not considering us antagonistic like and separate because that just creates this like gremlin feeding opportunity thank you I'm using the opportunity at the moment to reflect on how we got from reading a book that was printed in 2010, I think 10 years ago, out loud together into a, um, a vehicle space for going beyond the edge that I know and diving into new territory through a medium that's as unstable as a zoom group zoom call from people planetary wide so how how i just wanted to point out a couple of um <clears throat> i just wanted to share a couple of insights that i got about how you can do this with other people even in your even if you're having lunch together at the cafe you can still do a similar kind of thing and what one of the things that I would share about that I'm I would share with you about this and being in this space with you all is I'm willing as a I'm willing to get off it like 
I'm not in this space as the one who is the author, the one who knows, the authority figure, like all these things that are patriarchal in our in the context that I was born and raised in, all these things are have become pointless to me or or with less value than the the journey, the the um, um, discovery learning journey space that we were able to kind of shift into today. And the discovery learning for me has so much food value and it's so much more alive than um, a monologue from Clinton Callahan, you know, even though I might be um, saying stuff I never said before and, and, and hearing, you know, learning stuff that way, to do it with a team like this is so much more uh, valuable for me. And it's the thing that pisses me off about it is that it, I can't guarantee it. Like I can't guarantee that um, this space will occur when we get on a Zoom call together. All I can do is when it, when the doorway arises, when I'm in a space with you guys and this door opens up over here on the side, like when Aunt Chloe wanted to start saying something and then she whizzes by another door that opens up into this huge space and she goes right by the door and I go, hold on. And I go back up and I go back to that door that she passed by, open the door and say, let's go through this door. And she just goes right through the door and takes everybody with her. And then you guys all jump in and we're in this whole new space that is not in this book at all. And it's relevant. You know, it's, it's vital. This stuff is vital. So, the way that happens is to be willing as a space holder to go nonlinear through surprising doorways into the unknown and to not know, even as a space holder to not know and to manage swords out. You know, I don't have just one sword out. I've got like 25 swords out kind of at everybody, you know, cause I've heard, for example, Jake take off for a half hour you know, he loves hearing himself talking. He can, he can, he goes, he goes off on these spaces, but he didn't, he didn't, he could feel the sword at his neck and he backed and he went in this whole great space, you know, and it's like, so we're, there's a whole teamwork thing, but I didn't put the swords down. I had, I was, I was shut off on the mute. I wasn't, you know, but I was still having swords out. So as a space holder for this, you keep your sword out, you keep on top of it, you're in the moment with it and not knowing. And I just wanted to, express my gratitude for the collaboration that we just were able to do here together. Thank you very much. I'm noticing that it's 7.30, which is be the official end time of this journey space together right now. And uh, I will stick around. And I don't know if Anne Chloe, are you sticking around a little bit? She's the hostess with the mostest, so she will be sticking around. And so thank you for playing today, for going on this journey with us today. And I hope that um, you that we can keep that you keep researching. I will keep researching this whole thing about uh, opening up. I don't feel like I don't feel like I was able to really share with you the the whole wizardress possibility the invitation of the wizardress and I'm 
and the whole um, possibility of a, of a transformational brotherhood making invitations to the other men for the benefit of all beings everywhere. Like this is also, there's new research stuff for me. So anyway, I hope we have a, we have a, a WhatsApp app group and we can share some stuff and make invitations with each other. So um, thank you. Thank you. So I'd like to say something. I've invited at least four men to join this group. And one man joined for part of one group. And when I asked, you know, when I then chatted with him afterward about it, it was, he had a really hard time with it, with the group and, and had a difficult time talking about it. Um, and so obviously I'm not doing a very good job of asking, you know, making interesting offers or yeah. So shoot that voice. Right. But I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I, I need some help with this. I, it's something that I really want more of in my life. And I have it. I, I can do this with women more easily than I can do it with men. And I need help with how to bridge that gap and ask a more interesting question or, 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 make a more interesting invitation and can anybody help me <laughs> with this or does anybody want to get together in some kind of a group and chat about it more doris i i want to say uh, i want to say something i think i have clarity about it uh, i want to ask you a question when you invited those men to join the group did you ask them as as men, like in your mind, when you ask them, did you think I'm inviting the men now into the group? Or it came from just a place I'm inviting someone random, like people like, or when you're inviting women, do you think I'm inviting out a woman to the group or you just think I'm inviting this person to the group? That's my question, thank you. So you're asking, did I, um, consider that I was asking a man rather than just a person. Is that what you're asking? Yes. And Phyllis, while you're answering that question, could you also answer who, who were you being as the question asker, as the inviter? What was your self-image as the inviter? Um, 
I think I had some, probably had some trepidation because these are not men who have done the work that I'm doing. And, and there's, and I know that there's some fear around it. So I think I, I was coming from a place of self-confidence myself, but there was some trepidation about how to ask and fear, actually it was fear around proposing something like that to someone who I, you know, I know has some resistance to it or I sense has some resistance to it. So that said, I think it probably was thinking that I was asking a man because I, men tend, in my experience, the men that I am interacting with tend to have more resistance than the women do to going to those spaces. And that's not to say that I do have, I do interact with women that have resistance too. So, yeah. So what, what I heard you say was that you were a frightened woman asking a man who probably had resistance. And the thing that I would propose is an identity shift on your part as an inviter when it's to be uh like i could go on and on about different identities that you could have that would that would that would make the invitation more irresistible or more exciting or more less scary or with more potential um uh, outcome like a, a more valuable outcome like that so like for example i mean i have some friends who are doing multi-level marketing fantasy investment world they have they have some figured out some scam to think they can put like 25 euros in or 100 euros in and then by the end of the year you have 20,000 euros out and, and it, all you have to do is invite more people in. So they have really amazing ways to, to invite people into their thing, but who they are being while they invite is the representative of a multi-level marketing investment scam. That's who they're being. So I don't recommend that that's the kind of adventure that you offer as an opportunity. However, at least that's more interesting maybe than a frightened woman asking a rigid man, you know, a defended man. Like, so, but so there's, I mean, if you were, if you could walk down the street as, if you could, if you get on the phone or walk next to this person as, uh, 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 I don't know, as a, yeah, as a, go ahead. Do you have an answer? Or you well, I, I was thinking of a, of a, American Indian witch, like a, a medicine woman, or a, um, uh, a representative of the healing spirit of Gaia, or um, what were you going to say? 
Yeah. You have to also turn off the sound, sorry. Um, you know, it seems that you have this idea of this group, this group is scary. And so asking this man will be scary. And so, and so that would produce a lot of fear on the other side. So, so another identity that you can take is this is a different culture. It's like you, when you go to Africa, you go to a village and you have no idea how it goes. You don't speak the language. You don't know how they eat. They don't know how they poop. They don't, you know, nothing. And, but somehow they've made an invitation that you could go and not know and be okay. And so it would be an invitation like that where you're basically telling him, we're going to Africa, you know, for, for an hour and a half on Monday evening, we're going to Africa and you won't understand everything. And you, you know, you won't know where to wash the dishes, but it's the people there are, they're a family and they, and they can welcome you and they would want to welcome you. You know, and that would be a different invitation. You would come from a different place than if it's yeah, like, yeah. God, he's going to be terrified being in that group. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Naomi. Uh, I would like to add to this something. Go ahead, Dor. Oh, so uh, I had a lot of fear about inviting, like I uh, used to like uh, organize parties and stuff. And I had a lot of fear of inviting like women to our parties. So every time I invited guys, it's like, yeah, you should come to check this party. And when I invited like girls, it, it's something in my head was like twisted and something like didn't work. But then I noticed that when I invite like groups that are men and women inside, I'm like, I'm, I'm doing good. So an interesting experiment to do is like just like either film yourself or just if you can just uh remember the way you invited like a group of people that are involved men and women and then like replicate that to the way you invite men or women or whatever like the problem with it and like today i feel today i'm actually conscious when i invite like women to something like that i'm just inviting them like as as guys or just like normal like just like everyone. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And you know, as I recall, I've invited probably at least five, actually more, probably ten women to this group too. And not one, two said they would come, but not one of them has come. So, so this isn't just uh, so. So there's something about my invitation that isn't isn't appealing or. Maybe I'm I'm giving off too much fear, yeah. So, so first, I'll work I on just, that. Naomi, I, I just want to say one thing, and then and you, so I don't know how much you can see each other physically, but you, you know I remember Iris invited Anna to come to her house, and then they had coffee before, and then they go to the group, and then maybe they have dinner after, and it just makes it just. Uh -huh you know, make a full invitation and then you can talk about it and they don't have to be alone with it at their home and stuff like that. <laughs> that would be a great possibility. Yeah, and you know, two weeks ago, I was on a boat with a man who I invited to come and he said no. So then I had to put the earplugs in, but then he wanted to know all about it afterward. <laughs> so it's like, he wouldn't come, but then he enjoyed what I talked with him about afterward. <laughs> Okay, Naomi, go ahead. That's good. 
Um, I feel a bit nervous if I'm going to manage to explain. Like, um, what I was referring to earlier as well, I feel like making distinctions and wanting to invite people and imagining they might enjoy it or going into some kind of idea that it would be like good for them because, because I think they should need to be fixed. I feel like all of that gets really mixed up. For example, also my, my partner's mom that I'll be looking at her and I'll be like, uh, that I think that she's in this victim state. Where does this become judging and, uh, and parent voices and where is it making distinctions? And um, like when, when we said uh, inviting them to Africa and they're not gonna know anything, I felt like it also sounded or could sound condescending, no? Um, yeah, so I'm still kind of wondering how, very interesting, like how to invite people, which identity do you choose to invite somebody? Because inviting them because they don't know shit is like another way of inviting them than yeah, I'm, I don't actually know. <laughs> I'm actually very well in a question mark about this, no? But I'm very much into like, I also read a book about feminine and masculine and now I feel like I am categorizing everything in those ways and sometimes I feel like I'm doing that way too much. Uh, and then sometimes I think and go, I go into feeling that the feminine would be superior in some kind of things, no? And, and, and the masculine, uh, maybe in others and... I feel like I'm in the complete wrong way of thinking about these things and I feel some kind of um, a little bit of disgust, like I want to get it out of my body. Yeah. I, do you want to say? I, I just want to say one thing that what it, what, how it was for me in the beginning of discovering this world of the inner world and being amazed by it and being fascinated by it and having so many of my answers, uh, question answers, then I thought everybody would have the same question as I did. It was like, how come you don't have this question? I have all the answers. Like, and I was fanatical about it. And it took me, you know, a year and a half to, to calm down about it. And so what? Be, you know, it's fine. Be fanatical about it for a year and a half and it, it will pass. And don't, don't beat yourself up or I would say don't give up on it. It's just the, I think the beginning is a lot like that for a lot of people, this kind of roller coaster. And you have to go through the roller coaster. So m my thing would be don't worry too much about it. Yeah. Go ahead, Quentin. So the, the, one of, so we have archetypal bodies and we have this very strong capacity to relate to the entire, to the, like the archetypal aspects and qualities of the universe. And the universe is rife. It is rich with the archetypal. And it is, this, it's like our fifth body. So it's a huge part of who we are. And the, I think most of what we're talking about the invitation for is archetypal. Transformation is archetypal, going to the edge of a culture and building a bridge over the gap of nothing to other cultures is archetypal, building teams 
for initiatory journeys is archetypal. Like this, all of this stuff is really archetypal and we just have not been trained in inviting others into the archetypal. Like what I'm trying to get at is making invitations from your archetypal nature, speaking to their archetypal nature. They won't even know who, who you are. They won't know what you're talking to, but um, I'm going to go back to Phyllis. Like Phyllis, I knew you one time when you were about to leave the mainland of California, go out on a sailboat with mostly men to cross the Pacific Ocean to Hawaii and from there onwards in a handmade boat that kind of barely sailed. And there was something in you that thought this would be a good time. And so if you can remember that part of how they created this invitation that you committed to with your time, energy, money, and possibly your life, um, you committed to that. What, you know, and that's the kind of invitation that we can make to, to other people. I mean, for me, that's what this kind of journey is. That's what it is. I get fulfilled and my archetypal parts get fed and I thrive on the archetypal level doing what we're doing right now and, and doing most of the stuff that I'm involved in. I think that each, I think you guys know what I'm talking about, but we, it's, we haven't had much practice talking about it and we haven't had much practice making invitations from our own archetypal part to the other person's evolving or evoking or emerging archetypal part. So I think that's what part of what we're being, part of what this is about is about is learning stuff we don't know how to do and nobody's taught us, but we're totally resonant and turned on by it. Um, I, I would add as well that it, it's, and maybe this could be a way to involve your, your gremlin in a conscious way in the process would be also it's to turn it into a negotiation, especially if it is a situation where you do actually want them to be there, like for, part, for you in some way, like you think you would get something from them in the space. It's then if you're not seeing the interest you'd like or you outright hear a no, it's you can follow it up with, okay, what would you need in order to say yes to this? What would you need in order to say yes to attending just even one session um and what would you need in order to say yes to attending one session without an okay but i'm only doing it once it's like, okay well what would you need to attend one session without that sort of pessimism on the end and and see because because then it then it's like okay well what what would i need it's like okay take me out for dinner and maybe they say take me out for dinner and i'll come along it's like okay great let's do it um, or maybe that's all they needed to do. Some people, it's just they want to know that the reason why you want them there is for you and not for them. Because some people have such a like freak out of you're trying to change me, especially mm -hmm. men. Like she only wants me there to change me. That as soon as you get asked to do something, you turn around and run because you don't want to be changed. As soon as it's like, oh wait, they they want me there for them. Oh okay, okay, maybe I will come then. It, it can change it. That is so right on, Jake. You know, that that was like, that was gold. Thank you. <laughs> it's also the other thing people are so afraid of right now is this 
like being brainwashed into a sect or something, being dragged off into some kind of sect. Yeah. I, uh, um, yeah. John, you had your hand up. John Mercer. John Mercer. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, something that's been coming up for me since and Chloe said this piece, which I feel is connected to what Jake just said about um, how sort of the women are slaves in patriarchy and men are masters. And I actually feel that that is an idea that is permeated through women in the patriarchy that is really um, uninviting for men to join into spaces like this because actually we're all slaves in this experience of modern culture. Um, unless you have like Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or like people who are running the show on these calls, then we might be able to talk about some masters. But like Hillary Clinton is way more of a master than I am in this modern culture and she's a woman. Um, so that even that kind of thought where it feels really like uninviting and kind of pushes me out of wanting to, or like feeling safe or comfortable in the space to participate in experiments. John Mercer, can I ask you a question? Yeah. It's the second time I heard you say a negative thing. I really have this question. What would it make it so inviting for you to throw yourself in to do experiments and be vulnerable and feel held and so you could open up and be present and like crash and burn and emerge and show up again? What would it take? What would, it, what would create that for you? I don't know. Are you willing to find the answer before next Monday? Yes, sure. Anything from the Scott East department? <clears throat> yeah, something I've been thinking about for a while. We we did in Brazil, we did the experiment where the men held space for the women to do an experiment with the carrots, where we, we held up the carrots. And the, the women practiced breaking the nose of, like breaking the carrot as though it was the nose. And so, and the, the, the kind of, as part of the instructions for that experiment, basically what it was is like men don't need this, at least not to the extent that women need it. That's at least what I heard. And, I've been really wanting to explore. I don't know if this has already been explored or researched in, in hospital management. Like, 
what's what kind of the archetypal equivalent for the side of of men and and men's culture so i i remember we did a process in the first lap which was ended up being the women expressing their archetypal rage at the, at the men and us reflecting as the archetypal masculine and then it ended in the women doing a like holding one another and then the men all holding arms and facing outwards and like in this protective stance and i've got this sense of like for me i haven't there's like a next step beyond that of of it's maybe not rescue it's like what's the kind of equivalent to defending uh feminine as men it's not like rescuing or it's high drama but it's it's in this new context so so like the image i have is is like those women holding one another in the center the men facing outwards and then doing experiments of deep shift go experiments of taking a stand for the men's culture after patriarchy and speaking from that place and speaking not not like like letting go of the, the bullshit around this this oh i'm being shamed by women or whatever like it's like no it's a different thing it's like taking a stand for and yeah for that the, the next culture of men so i wonder if that experiment has been done because it, it feels it feels like a next step that i haven't taken at least is is really getting that in the body scott could you frame up an experiment and at least document it and then possibly do it before next monday with three or four men in your area document as in like just write, write some notes how it goes. It doesn't have to be perfect, but just some basic how it how do you set it up, how it goes. I can I can do that. I can do that. Yeah. You know, a couple of paragraphs, no big deal. Mm -hmm. Could you pull it off? I mean, do you have some guys around you could try something with? It would have to be on Zoom. Well. So like yes, if on Zoom, and if if any of the men here, uh, Jake or John Mercer, want to, or anybody uh, who I'm not thinking of want to be on that, you know, that's let me know. I'd be down to experiment with you. Thank you. Yeah. Are you on the WhatsApp group? Yep. Cool. Shannon, any last words? I was simply acknowledging that. Okay. Uh, okay. So since you since you uh, called on me, uh, what's coming up for me is the um, the praise and the blame, and so there was part of me that uh, wanted to acknowledge Maria for her share, right? And so. Um, and so rather than say, that was a great share, do I just say, I like it when you share, do more of that? I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, cause I, I'm definitely that person who's always praising. And, and I, so I've been asking myself, how can I show up differently? So it's not coming from that place of control, but it's, um, it's, it's continuing the, 
energy and the conversation and the behavior that is in service to both of us. My proposal for an experiment would be to try to actually share what, what you got from it. I, I, this distinction will help me so much. I, I, I'm excited to do the next experiment. I need, I need a connection. Can you connect me to whoever that was? I want to do some more research. Like whatever real non-political, you know what I mean? Non-political is like not to make them feel better, not to make you feel better, but a real thing. Try yeah. sharing that. I like Try. that. Cool. So, 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 so you just did, I like that, which is your first, that was your proposal. Now do my proposal. Okay. Your, your explanation helped me to understand and, and be aware of how I use praise and how often I use praise. And, and so because of what you just shared, I am now go going to be more mindful to, instead of just wait, offering wait. So the whole thing was working until you're starting to make a promise that I don't believe you can keep. Oh, okay. Skip, skip the promise. Okay. First, was it went way in and it inspired me. Okay. So, I'm going to, so I'm going to experiment with sharing specific details about what I got out of something instead of going into the need to praise or to blame. And I, I'm inspired now about your clarity about what you just got so much that I, I wanna put it on one of the websites. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Yay. Okay. I'm. Thank you all very much for this time. Thank you for the journey. And I look forward to next week. And I hope you have an eventful seven days between now and next Monday. Anybody need to say anything or, or this is probably it? I need to say something. Sarah. So um, I noticed when John Mercer was sharing that um, I felt sad. And um, I and I think part of the the sad um, also comes up from I think might it might have been also as a result of what Jake was sharing is that um, when I sort of proposed the non-monogamy idea, um, I, I uh, something struck very strong in me about using men as objects, and um, and uh, and um, and uh, and treating men as as problem, and um, what I what I, one of the things I'm I'm uh, struck by here is um, this idea um, and I also felt heavy when John Mercer was sharing and the image I'm getting is that um, if men in the archetype of, of a, a previous conversation where um, like as a woman we, I make these long lists of things that the men in, in, in my life are trying to fix or chose to fix and now you know, I'm, and and the invitation to to the the, um, the invitations that I may be making to to men now are 
just as you know, I men, I, I, the story I'm telling myself is that men must be kind of burdened and tired of those lists, and now added to my list is a way that you know need to to change themselves to to make the world um, to, to 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 make the world more emotionally resonant for me, and uh, that's the burden I'm adding to the men um, in this room or other men in in my life. Um, I want to stop adding that burden. So, thank you. Thank you, Sarah. My grounding cord is still pink. And I will, I'm about to leave this space. Thank you all very much and see you later. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.